This is the panel question and answers on becoming a medical missionary. And if uh, this is not the uh, session you wanted to come to, I'm sorry, the doors are closed and you can get off at the next exit. Uh, when we stop. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going to start here in a couple of minutes, but let's start off with getting to know each other a little bit here. So who came from the furthest away? Where did you guys come from? Louisiana, okay. How about you over here? Louisiana. Yes? Michigan. Okay, what about, uh, uh, let's see, mountain time zone, Pacific? Colorado? New York? Hey, good. Simon, I remember you from a few years ago. You were originally from Nepal, right? So, okay, anybody from further away than Nepal? Okay. Okay, who's, who's the closest? Who's from Louisville? Okay, and from the Southeast Christian Church? Hey, thank you for hosting us. Let's thank them. Yay. Wow, good stuff. Okay, now let's see. The next thing we need to find out is, um, okay, who's a uh, nursing student? Woo, hey, looking good. Okay, who's a uh, practicing nurse or nurse practitioner? Hey, praise the Lord. I carefully tried to schedule where there weren't any other really cool nursing workshops at the same time. Okay, uh, let's see, uh, uh, pre-med students, okay, medical students, okay, uh, residents, okay, practicing physicians, wow, kind of a nice division there, uh, physician assistants, there we go, uh, a therapist, occupational physical therapist, uh, okay, what else do we have? Spouses. Spouses, <laughs> praise the Lord for spouses. I am a spouse. I, I, I wasn't smart enough to go to nursing school or medical school, but I did put my wife through nursing school. So, Okay, let's see. What else do we have here? Paramedics. Paramedics, yes. Okay. What else? Dentists. Dentists. I think we mentioned PAs uh, earlier. And we have the rest of us. So praise the Lord for miscellaneous. Okay. Well, uh, let me open us with prayer, and then I'll inter- uh, introduce us to the panelists. Okay. Father God, we thank you for this chance to be with you and with each other this weekend. We pray you'd open our minds and our hearts to all that you would have for us. Thank you for this chance to uh, trust you and to walk with you through the journey that you have ahead. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I'm going to introduce, and this, by the way, this is also an optometry test, uh, as far as the, uh, uh, because I'm probably the only one who can see the overhead. Um, but uh, let's see, we're going to start kind of in the middle of the list there. I'm the moderator, uh, and I'm not a physician. I actually have a, a master's degree in theology and missions. And my background overseas is that uh, my wife and I lived in China, and then later we lived in France. My current position was, is with Inna's Image Family Medicine Residency. And so we're going to go down the um, uh, kind of s- uh, circle all the way back over here to John. So, John, if you can give a couple of sentences about what you've done overseas and where you are now. I was in Thailand for 20 years with the IMB. I helped run a mission hospital for 13 years. And then seven years I escaped to the wilds of northern Thailand where I did primary care projects, drug rehab, helped start an AIDS orphanage, and was primarily doing church planting and evangelism. And now I am back on the... Uh, still on the mission field, this time in Fort Worth, Texas, where I help train uh, family medicine residents, hopefully to go and do the things that I did for many, many years.
others. Hey, thank you, John. Okay, we can pass it down to Cynthia. And the rest of us are going to hold the mic closer the rest of the day. But, but you had the good booming voice so that worked that time. Thanks. I'm Cynthia Hale, and my husband Tom and I are doctors. He's a surgeon, and I'm a pediatrician. And we worked in the country of Nepal for about 12 years at a remote mission hospital. And my husband wrote three books about it, Don't Let the Goats Equal, uh, Eat the Loquat Trees and the Sequels, which you can get for a very low donation downstairs at our booth. And um, we, after that, uh, we moved to Kathmandu, and he started to write a commentary on the New Testament in Nepali. And I um, was in charge of a community health program in the district near Kathmandu. And then after that, we moved to the other corner of Kathmandu, and I taught in the medical school. And um, after we came back home, we toured about to try to raise up new missionaries. And now we are living in Albany, New York, and I'm working with Bhutanese refugees who are ethnic Nepalis. And um, we also have something for them, and that is a CD of Nepali Christian songs. And um, so it's been about two and a half years. We now have about 190 uh, Bhutanese refugees plus other Burmese refugees, all of whom speak Nepali. So that's my newest mission field, and I'm thrilled. And one of the musicians on the CD is? Well, the lead singer is our son. Hey, there you go. Okay. <laughs> of course, he speaks Nepali and Hindi as if he was an Indian or a Nepali. Hi, I'm Susan Carter. And I spent 23 years, I know that doesn't look possible, but I spent 23 years (laughs) at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya. I am a nurse by profession, and um, but I only did clinical nursing for two years. And then the Lord gave me the opportunity to um, work with Dave Stevens. And together we designed and implemented a community health program that grew into some agriculture and microfinance later. And then... um, Finally, the, um, my last position at the hospital was um, as the CEO. Um, the original doctor there retired, and they needed somebody to take over and decided that that should be me. And unfortunately, the Lord agreed. And uh, <laughs> uh, so um, I spent seven years as the CEO of the hospital, and they really were wonderful years because the Lord proved himself faithful. But I had the privilege of mentoring uh, an African, a Kenyan, who um, actually did have a business degree. I have not had a business class, so um, <laughs> it was interesting. But um, when he was consistently making decisions I liked and felt were consistent with the mission of the hospital, um, I asked him if he was willing to step up and me step down. And after a considerable time, he did do that. And so I served under him for a couple years. And then the Lord released me, and I've now been with Christian Medical and Dental Association since '03. And I'm still involved in medical missions. Um, the Center for Medical Missions is what um, the Lord has given me to do now. So I'll be happy to tell you about that if you're interested. I'm Robin Hale. No relation to Cynthia. However, I'd really love to be related to her and her family. Uh, I married into the Hale family. So uh, not that Hale family, not Hale family. Uh, I um, have had a connection uh, with India for the last almost 15 years. I'm a nurse by profession. And uh, five of those uh, almost 15 years, I actually lived in India full-time, and I uh, worked with InterServe and with uh, the Mission Emanuel Hospital Association and served as their nursing administrator. And in 2003, I returned to the U.S. to do a master's degree to go back to India full-time. 
God had other plans. And I continue to go to India over the last seven years, anywhere from one to four times a year. I love taking people with me. I love going myself and keeping those connections. And um, right now, I'm actually jobless. Uh, I quit my job two weeks ago to finish my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation. I was previously working as a women's and children's staff development coordinator in Indianapolis, Indiana. So um, I'm looking for the Lord to lead me to the next um, adventure right now in my life. So, But I still continue to have India on the radar. So. And how many of us are looking forward to the Lord's next adventure to us? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Well, good stuff. Well, these are our four panelists, but I do want to acknowledge in, um, in, in terms of a, uh, a, uh, a shout-out to any other uh, long-term missionaries that are out there. Anybody else out there? Okay. Well, if you are, that's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. That's fine. Um, well, we are going to uh, do the panel in two halves. Uh, this is football season, right? Okay. So the first half is for the extroverts and the brave introverts, okay? And then we'll have a, a, a brief halftime interlude, and then the uh, second half will be for the introverts and the um, backslidden extroverts, okay? Okay, so uh, um, by the way, there's a, a sheet that some of you received. Did we run out of the sheets? We're, get, we're getting more. Okay, bless you. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll, we won't be turning the sheets in until... Um, uh, about halftime, okay? Uh, but if you do have the sheet, by the way, it's great to keep great notes, but you're going to be turning in the sheet at the end of the session. Actually, hopefully at halftime, okay? So the sheet is the opportunity, or you can just take a blank sheet of paper for the introverts that want to write down a question. We're going to try to answer some of those questions in the second half, okay? But the first half is for the... Hey, and, and they said it, too. That was good. That was really good. Okay. Um, or you can be a um, fake extrovert, which is what I am for the sake of missions. So I married a wonderful extrovert. So where do we want to start? Who wants to give us our, our first question? Yes, thank you. And how about if everybody stays there, you say it, and I'll try to repeat it. Would that be okay? Yeah, if you can sit, because not everybody can stand up. So thank you. And so let me see if I can uh, echo back, and for the sake of the taping, uh, right now you're a licensed practical nurse. Is there a place for you in missions with that degree? And maybe if I can kind of broaden that as we comment on that, uh, for uh, people in nursing, we'll ask our two nurses, um, and uh, we'll have maybe two people answer each question approximately. Uh, but, you know, what different tr uh, degrees of training uh, do we need or most needed overseas, you know, kind of minimum and maximum. So you're heading for the maximum here, Robin, so. <laughs> Not for choice, it was God. <laughs> um, that's a great question, and that's a question that I do get asked a lot, uh, especially because I am going for a terminal degree. <laughs> um, but 
I would say there is a place for you in missions. However, it's very dependent on what country you want to go to. For example, in India, uh, I tried multiple times to register my license, and the Indian Nurses Council would not allow me to get registration, so meant, which meant that I was not legally allowed to practice nursing at the bedside. So I chose, um, and they guided me and some other people involved with the Indian Nurses Council said that I could do administration or I could teach, and that's actually what I did. I was a nursing administrator. Uh, there are other countries, though, that don't have the same stipulation. So I would almost, my suggestion is, what con- is there a country that God is laying on your heart? and Or maybe look at, because it sounds like maybe you may not be interested to go back to school. Um, is there a country that would allow you to practice with the current licensure that you have? That would be my answer. So anything you want to add, Susan? Uh, I think if, if you're interested in something like a community health role that would not require you to have a license, that would be another great option. Um, health education to the, at the grassroots level, uh, it's an exciting and incredible ministry, and that might be an option. I, my experience is Kenya, and I can tell you that you would have a very difficult time getting a nurse's license in Kenya with a, as an LPN. But they, they would welcome you to do health education and those kind of things. So. The, the, just just to say that, you know, University of the Nations uh, Discipleship Training School of YWAM will give you good community health education type courses, which will help you get into a place where you can use your past training and the extra training. And I think there's an organization here uh, called LifeWind, yeah. which does community health evangelism and education. And so you can check them out. Okay, next question. Yes, over here, brother. want to answer that. We also, if I can broaden that a little bit, uh, so you're a resident physician, so what more training or do you, do you keep training yourself to death or when do you go? And, and maybe we can even comment on that for some other fields as well. You know, uh, do you go sooner or later? And do you have a kind of a PS to that? Is a master's in be- of public health beneficial, or maybe I could even say necessary? Uh, and, and so, uh, John, we'll let you take the first. You know, I think uh, my answer would be sort of dependent on what part of the world do you want to do, what role do you want to serve in, in medical work. And, you know, I went to Thailand uh, a few years ago, uh, 26 years ago, with three years of family medicine residency, no fellowship, and I basically was self-trained to do everything I needed to do. And most of the places in the world that really, really need doctors, you will do that. You will learn the things you have to do. But I can also tell you that the more training that you have, the better, certainly. So that's kind of a a double-edged answer. Uh, I think for family medicine, if you've been in a good broad-scope program that you've gotten good obstetric training and maybe gotten to do, you know, some operative obstetrics, that would be great. If you haven't, you might want to consider, you know, a, a obstetric fellowship, especially if you're going somewhere that, that really is 
uh, obstetric services are, are, are a big part. And I think about my time. I've been in Kenya and in Ghana as well as Thailand. If I hadn't been able to do a C-section, I would have had a lot more maternal mortalities. Um, for um, the MPH issue, I think I really see that as a really valuable tool for those going to very uh, needy places that have tropical disease or for somebody who's interested in teaching. And, you know, my, my, the second half of my career now is in medical education, both here in the U.S. and especially now back in Thailand and India, that I do medical education projects. And the more letters I have behind my name, uh, especially in India, it certainly means a great deal. So, you know, when I'm a you know, fellow of the American uh, Academy and, you know, the director of this and the also coordinator and all of that seems to be valuable. And, and whether or really not it is, uh, is meaningless. Um, <laughs> but it is valuable in the eyes of the beholder, in the eyes of the host, and, and that's the one that matters. And, and just to have that kind of uh, role, I think, is, to me, is, is, is a lot of fun. So I commend that to you. I'd like to put in a plug also for Go, and then maybe when you're back in the U.S., two, three years, four years later, do some type of short course, or, or maybe get an MPH. Yeah. And so, uh, and you'll have more of a context for learning in that case. By the way, uh, speaking, uh, you were talking about if you didn't have to do a C-section, you would have had a lot more infant mortality. And but you didn't do a OB fellowship, but you you learned some, and you learned more out no, there. No, interestingly, right? there was an old doctor in Thailand when I got there. His name was Orby Butcher. So I learned <laughs> most of the surgery I do, I learned from Doctor Butcher. Butcher. <laughs> You, you remember Dr. Butcher. <laughs> let, let me mention a book that's not by Dr. Butcher. Um, but this is, uh, this is a book called Jesus MD, A Doctor Examines the Great Physician. It's by Dr. David Stevens, a president of uh, Christian Medical and Dental Associations. And he talks about his time in Tinwick and just some amazing stories. And uh, I love the stories about the cookbook surgeries where, you know, it kind of sets up the book, you know, reads something does part of the surgery, looks back at the book, you know. And so uh, uh, there's some exciting things. And he was mentored, he was mentored by uh, Dr. Sturry, not Dr. Butcher. Okay. Um, okay, uh, next question. Yes, brother in the back. I do emergency medicine, so I'm going to ask a question about that, but I'm going to ask the most important question because uh, family, um, you know, if I do have the privilege of going overseas, I'll take family with Well, could, uh, let's see if we can broaden them. In, uh, the, is it related to uh, children overseas? Your second, second question? question? Okay. 
So let's let's talk about children's education overseas, and you know, one possibility is homeschooling, and how do you prepare for that over here? But there's other options for uh, homeschooling or for children's education. Here is somebody who raised some kids overseas. Yeah, well, I, children are different, and mothers are different. So just make sure that your wife is happy to do homeschooling. There are other options. One of which was the best one for us was to have someone come from the States and be in the village and teach several of the missionary kids, small tutorial group. That was the, the best for us. But it didn't work for the older son because at that time there was no such option, and so he went to boarding school. Well, actually, he went to an American school in the capital city of Kathmandu, and he lived in a hostel run by the, the mission. Um, it's H-O-S-T-E-L. Okay, I just wanted to. <laughs> H-O-S-T-E-L, right. And then later on, um, the United Mission to Nepal started Kathmandu International Study Center, um, where lots of kids came, and uh, that has gone through many phases. So that also keeps them closer to home. Is this too, too noisy? Yeah, maybe a little lower. Yeah. And then um, our children did end up going to boarding school in India, which isn't necessarily all bad. Um, they loved it, and they had a good time, and they learned a lot, and it prepared them for their future um, work that God was calling them to in time. Um, so I think that that's another thing we need to keep in mind, that, that if, if we are called into missions, God is calling our children too, and he has a plan for their lives, and even some of the suffering that they might go through is part of his plan for their lives, to prepare them for what he has in mind for them. And so I think we have to keep the broader picture of God's plan for our kids and not be so worried about everything that could happen in the remote part of the world. It could happen in America, too, and it does happen in America. Let me uh, just comment on the homeschooling. My wife and I did homeschooling on both of our children up until high school, and uh, it was really uh, a joy. I mean, I, I, my wife also is, she's a CRNA, a nurse anesthetist, so she worked uh, the same as I did, and so we shared homeschooling responsibilities, um, but we also used a, a pretty, uh, a, I thought, a really good system called the Video Abeka system, and actually was on DVD, and so... Uh, for, for the last uh, four or five years of my, my girls' education, they were pretty much self-paced. I supplemented with things like science projects and uh, veterinary medicine projects and uh, sometimes laboratory projects done at the hospital. Uh, but uh, our kids uh, came back uh, to the U.S. and were stellar. They're both, uh, you know, top of the class, and they're both... Uh, thriving in university levels now and uh, came out just like Cynthia said, much the better for their experience overseas, even maybe if they didn't, you know, get to play uh, sports in junior high or whatever. Uh, they wouldn't have traded uh, a minute of that time uh, for being back here in the States. In fact, the hardest thing coming back for us was our kids just crying about leaving their country and not wanting to leave. Yeah, that's a huge issue. Let's let's move to another topic, okay? Uh, sister in front here. Thank you. Um, for the mid-level providers and PSPAs, um, how have you seen the role of the mid-level providers in helping children learn English and language? I know there's a big push for short-term missions, but how um, do mid-level providers fit in the long-term mission field, especially with developing 
Okay, mid-level providers like nurse practitioners, physician assistants, how does that fit in uh, developing countries? Who wants to? I think it all depends on the country again, and it depends on uh, the opportunity, the, the experience of that mid-level provider. We have had experienced persons come to Nepal, and they, they usually end up training mid-level providers, community health uh, assistants and things like that. It's also happened that in, in the Stan countries of Central Asia, where family medicine training programs have been started, there's also been the need to start family nurse practitioner training programs. And so we've had several women who've gone to do that. So um, those are two specific examples. But that kind of thing uh, works. It needs to be somebody who can train and has some experience. And you need to be in a country that recognizes that a degree or allows you. My understanding is that uh, anybody wants to speak about nursing and nurse practitioners? I can, I can speak from a uh, perspective of India in that a uh, nurse practitioner is a very new concept for them. And the Indian Nurses Council is actually working with WHO and towards getting um, a program developed, uh, but it's not yet there. So if you chose a country like India where that's still very new, um, it would be very difficult because they would know how, they probably wouldn't register you to work, but like Cynthia is saying, maybe going in if you've got that experience to be able to train others. And that's definitely something that I think that you really have to go into missions, like especially when you're a nurse, at least maybe the doctors aren't like this, I don't know. But nurses, we want to go in and do stuff and fix stuff and um, be, you know, and but sometimes the role is a little bit different in that we have to be more of the educator and the trainer and that way then we can multiply ourselves. There are two other ways in which uh, such mid-level uh, practitioners can be used. One is to take care of missionaries' health at, at the entry level, and the other is where there are very, very busy mission hospitals working underneath the doctor, I would suppose in Africa especially. It would be a great help to cut down the burden. Let me mention another book resource. This is a book called Preach and Heal by Charles Fielding. Uh, the, the books that I've been holding up are available at the Christian Medical and Dental Association's bookstore next to the stage downstairs, and Cynthia's books are at International DePaul Fellowship uh, booth downstairs. Uh, downstairs. Uh, but uh, Charles has a all list of different medical strategies for missions, and this is a, a powerful book. He's the guy who spoke last year, the opening session, who was crazy and crazy for Jesus. Okay, let's, okay so we've kind of talked about uh, different aspects of training. We've talked about children. Uh, we've talked about some different specialties. Any other uh, general area? And by the way, how the handout? Have we gotten any more photocopies in yet? Okay, and so if you need one, uh, do people need to raise their hand to get those? Okay, so thank you, Marta, for helping us out with that. And so uh, let's do a, a different topic that we haven't talked about at all. And so let's see. I've got good people here. Uh, uh, good people over here, but there's an extrovert towards the back. Yes? How do you get, keep from being a machine that just turns out patients and burns out? 
Well, one, one important way we did it was to train local persons as assistants uh, to screen the patients and treat them for the common things, which could be done very easily. Um, that took the load off us as doctors, and so we would have more time with patients that were really sick and needed a physician's uh, training. <laughs> so that's very important. The other thing is to have a teamwork. Um, if you're part of a team, then find somebody who will take the time with the patients if you still aren't going to be able to do it yourself. And the third thing is that I think if, if you uh, pray with your patients, that's an important thing that doesn't take a lot of time, um, and God can work through that. I think that's really a, a critical question, and, and, it's, and it's a really difficult one. Uh, you know, for the first uh, two terms, I, I really I worked uh, my tail off. I know you can't tell it now, but uh, it, it, it was a concern for me. And then I, I really put a lot of effort into recruiting and to building our facility in a place that I could get help. And then I left. And I went to another place in Thailand that I did primarily projects that were resulting in evangelism and church planting. And I got myself out of the rat race, to be very honest with you. I would urge you all to look for places that you have the potential to do that. Uh, I have also gone to institutions that seem to just love to chew up doctors and spit them out. And, uh, and I, I urge you to not go to those places. Um, now, some of the places that used to do that have turned around. And I know the training programs in Africa, especially in Kenya and Cameroon and other places, are now have turned those mission hospitals into mission education projects. And uh, the resources for the harvest are being produced for that country. Susan, you want to add a PS on that, or, or did he get it? He nailed it. Hey, good job. Okay, uh, here's our uh, little halftime interlude. You guys ready? So if you can take the sheet of paper you have, I'm going to explain the uh, bottom half here, because this is the workshop that can keep going on for you, because we can't handle all the questions today, right? But I'm willing to pay. Okay, they're free. I'm, wanting, I'm uh, inviting you to sign up for some free email newsletters here. Uh, the first one is every few months is the Ask a Missionary newsletter, which gives you different missions magazines, books, as well as new questions and answers on how to become a missionary. So that's every few months. Uh, the next one is about every month. It's the Abandoned Times newsletter that's specifically aimed at students. And then uh, the third one is every week the Missions Catalyst weekly newsletter. And one issue will have a, a highlight about prayer requests. Another one will be praise reports from overseas. Another one might be, you know, specific missions resources. So those are uh, – so you can pick out how often you want email, okay? Uh, I also have the privilege of helping with a retreat. This conference is amazing, and it's also overwhelming, right? This is what, what – how many people have they announced? How many people are here? Well over 2,000. And uh, we're excited to have you here. I've got something at the other end of the spectrum, a retreat for about 40 prospective missionaries with seven mission coaches for a weekend where you divide up into small groups and you uh, just hang with each other and meals together. And so if you're interested in a 
learning about those retreats, check there in the bottom. Put your little sticker with your name and email address. Okay. Uh, let's see. Time for another book, right? Okay. Let's see. Here's one uh, by Christian Medical and Dental Association called Medical Missions. Oh, here. Do you know about this one? No, no, no. no. I hate to tell you, but I haven't read it. <laughs> um, it's by Bruce Staffies called Medical Missions, Get Ready, Get Set, Go. And um, it's just completely full of helpful advice. I recommend it all the time. And someday I'm going to read it. Uh, <laughs> she could have written the book. That's why she hasn't read it. So, But uh, but she was about to tell you some of the chapters are uh, about spiritual preparation, raising support and building a support team, um, um, reentry. Uh, I've come and gone, now what? A whole list of organizations, sample letter for support. And so, medical missions, get ready, get set, go. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. And on the top half of the sheet is for the introverts. Did you see how you can write down your question? And, um, and so, if you've got something written down there, and um, if you could kind of pass that to the center and then towards the front, and then I'll start uh, trying to skim through those real quick and look at the... Um, uh, introvert questions. But let's, uh, does anybody have a question that would kind of follow with this introduction? What about the money? Does anybody have any questions really? Yes, Sister in the Green. So what about the equipment, medical supplies, money to build a hospital or clinic or uh, educational? So what, what about that, that part? There goes Susan, former hospital CEO. Well, I was going to talk um, more about personal. Um, you know, every mission sending agency is different. And, and that's where you're going to, as you're looking and considering mission agencies, that's one of the questions you want to look at is what, what are their funding um, responsibilities as well as opportunities. For my particular uh, mission, we were encouraged to raise money for equipment and supplies. Any budgeted, it had to be in the budget, um, but we could raise money for that and then transfer from our ministry accounts. But not every mission sending agency works that way. So it's, it's a, a very important question to ask when you're researching your sending agency. As far as equipment, um, there's wonderful organizations out there that can help um, you with equipment, um, refurbished OR equipment, lights, tables, uh, machines. Um, Chosen is one. Equip is one. World Medical Missions is one. Um, <clears throat> and honestly, that's the kind of thing that I'm doing these days is um, helping people make connections with resources and those kind of things. So this, the Center for Medical Missions at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, that's why we exist, and we're happy to help with, with those kind of issues. One, one caveat I would, I would say is many times the equipment that you want to take with you needs to be left home. And, uh, and many times the equipments that are donated and given and refurbished are just not appropriate. And so be careful is the first thing. Now, I have a little bias here. I, I think ultrasound is a little bit of an exception to that. And uh, I urge you, you know, if you're going to go and be in a hospital or a clinic or whatever, it may be worth getting some ultrasound training and equipment before you go. 
And I've done that over the years, had probably half a dozen different ultrasounds donated or purchased very inexpensively uh, through agencies and just individuals. The, the other fundraising part, now, I was with the, the Southern Baptist International Mission Board, so I never really had to raise my own funds. But they put draconian rules on me from raising funds. And so uh, I found that raising funds for things that they didn't want to pay for uh, usually had to be done with friends and with those who came out to visit. And, and you so made a lot of friends. I did. And I got in trouble from a lot of my friends because I raised more money than most of the other missionaries. And so th th there are cautions all the way around, and many times money just really isn't the answer. So that's talking about equipment. I just saw a question from an introvert here, okay? What about my educational debt related to my health care education? And uh, let me have a special guest. This will be the one uh, special guest, but on the second row we have Dr. David Tapazian, who's the uh, founder of MedSyn and a uh, dentist. And David, could I hand you the microphone and, and invite you to share for a couple of minutes about um, this subject? And you, you gave a whole workshop this morning, so pick up the CD for the whole workshop later. One of the wonderful things about coming to a meeting like this is the affirmation one gets. And I've been getting plenty. And what that means is people who may not have made it to the mission field because of Project MedSend were able to go and go in an expeditious way. And uh, MedSend is going along strongly. I heard two or three people say, we heard that MedSend had run out of money. Well, praise the Lord, that's not the case. So keep those applications coming. There is a little bit more of a lag now between approval of applications and actual payment of, payment of the loan. But uh, we think that's going to be temporary, and it's because of the economic situation. Every Christian organization, I think, is hurting. Can you give us two sentences about what MedSend is? Project MedSend pays the uh, educational indebtedness, borrowing, for young health professionals of all health professions who are looking at med medical training or medical missions as a career. We're not interested in uh, supporting short-term, not because we don't believe in short-term, but because there are other ways of funding through friends, through church mission agencies, mission boards, and so forth. But for those who are looking for long-term and who have some indebtedness, that's for Med MedSend to help make the monthly student loan payments. Now, we also like to see that the borrowing has been done with a stewardship mentality, which means the money that is raised for MedSend is God's money, and it must be used carefully. If you are borrowing for education, as 90% of young people are today, borrow carefully and only for education. We don't borrow money for lifestyle, but for education. And here was a P.S. from Robin. 
I'm a MedSend uh, recipient, and so I just want to say that it's a wonderful organization. And just um, so you know, too, is that I had way back when when I uh, was only $17,000 worth of debt, which I hear is a really small amount right now. <laughs> uh, but it meant that I couldn't go to the field, and that was one of the first things the mission agency said, well, you've got this debt. And so I got connected with them and got accepted. And then when I returned, uh, then I just picked up uh, on the payments. So they pay while you're actively involved on the field, and they were a great blessing to me. Yes, thank you, Lord. Well, here's the next introvert question. How do I pick a mission agency? Have any of you walked around upstairs or downstairs? Wow. Too many ice cream flavors, right? Can I just get vanilla? Which one's vanilla? Okay. Uh, So how do we pick a mission agency? Uh, Cynthia. Okay. Um, Well, I think uh, God uses many opportunities that you might have to meet people um, who come your way because God allowed them to come your way. And if they're in a mission and you begin to find out about the mission and it's working in the part of the world where you want to work, then you've got a head start. Um, When you look at mission agencies, there are several things that are very important for you to find out. Uh, What is their policy with regard to the role of women? Uh, What is their policy with regard to the parents' ability to make their own decisions for their children's education? Uh, What are their financial policies? In regard to, um, is it a pooling system, uh, or is it something where you raise your support and it all comes to you, and somebody else can't raise it as well, and they might have to return from the field? And what kind of situation are you going to be seeing in that regard? What is their policy with regard to their relationship to the American churches? What is their policy with regard to your relationship to local churches in the countries where you're going to serve? Now, those are just a few of the very important questions. You've really got to know it's almost like entering into a marriage if you're going to be a long-term worker on the field. So you want to get to know that mission agency very well before you sign on the dotted line. I've sometimes said it's not till death do you part, but it often feels like it. Okay. Uh, But it's a huge decision. And from that decision that mission agency can walk through these questions about what kind of training you know what about the funding you know what about my children's education you know they can walk through those uh, issues with you and in many cases if the lord can direct you to the mission agency that's kind of the first place to start it's like well which country do i go to well that's that's important at some point, but it may be that you even pray with the mission agency about which country you go, go to. I've heard it said it's a lot more important what team you're playing on than what stadium you're playing in. You know, we've got needs around the world, so let's join up with somebody and pray together where we go. I just wanted to add that I certainly don't have an exhaustive list, but I have put together a list of questions that would help you in your research for um, a sending agency. And I'm very happy to share that. Uh, Yes, Robin. 
I went on the mission field as a single person, so that's also something to really look at if you are a single person and what the mission's view of singles are and how they fit in to the family um, and just different policies that they might have um, about singles serving on the mission field. And it is, uh, I can't emphasize enough, it's very critical that you really, your own mission statement for yourself um, matches with the mission statement. Um, There's a lot of mission agencies out there that do a lot of really great things. But you have to know that you can work with them and you can be happy with them because it is like a marriage. And uh, and I'm married now only just over a year, and it is. <laughs> and so um, be very careful how you do it. And talk to other people from different organizations. Talk to those who have served on the field. Well, tell me, how did your mission agency support you while you were on the field? How did they support you when you were back in the U.S.? And, that, and talk to several different people, and that will give you a really um, good opportunity to know, will that fit with me and who I am as a person and um, where God is leading me? Okay, John, you give a comment and then I'll share a few resources. Um, one of the big issues I think right now is what is your mission sending agency's view of medical work? Do they, do they see medical work as valuable or do they see it primarily just as a tool? And, and coming from that... Uh, evolving situation with the mission sentencing uh, with the IMB, I, I was kind of left in the cold because it evolved to a point that no longer was medical work deemed strategic. And so I think you need to be careful with that very question. And I would go to the top of that agency and say, or maybe even trustees of that agency and say, do you really think medical missions is valuable? Do you think the role of the physician or nurse or or nurse practitioner is a valuable part of the strategy to reach the world? And see what they say. Well, let me uh, share a book that has a lot of amazing true stories about medical missions. And it's from, uh, it's called On Being a Missionary by Thomas Hale. And it's by Cynthia's husband. And a lot of great stories about Tom. A lot of great stories about Cynthia and their kids. And uh, it's just amazingly written. So this is, uh, this is one of the key resources. Another one uh, I want to mention is a website that has a lot of this information on it. It's called askamissionary.com. Askamissionary.com. And over about 10 years, I've gathered 100 questions and 400 missionaries from around the world. So cool people like this and others as well. But it's kind of overwhelming to read 400 answers online. And so last March, uh, there was a book published that has the 125 best answers, and it's called Ask a Missionary. And all the books I've held up are at the Christian Medical and Dental Association table downstairs. But just all the things that we kind of talked about as well as some others. Uh, You know, agencies, researching the options and a list of different questions to ask. Uh, training, uh, funding, how do, how do you handle raising personal prayer and financial support, singles, couples, and kids. Uh, there's a chapter about guidance, discovering God's will. And then the concluding chapter is about power that overcomes fear. And it's a real exciting story uh, from Dr. John Gibson from Thailand. 
And so uh, uh, we're about to uh, conclude. I'm gonna, when we're done, I'm going to ask our panelists if they could kind of stand over in this area in the corner because I know our next speaker is going to be uh, getting set up. But if you join me in thanking the Lord and thanking our panelists for being with us today. Well, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this chance to be with you, uh, for just for us to trust you and walk with you. And we, we know, Lord, that uh, you know, Lord, that we have more questions and there's questions we haven't even thought of. But we want to uh, not rely on, on uh, just our own guesses or um, this person's answers or that person's answers. We want to rely on your spirit and those that you would bring alongside. Father, into your hands we um, we trust you and ask that you would send us and others into your harvest. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.